everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Good to have you join us this morning. Those that are in the room, thank you for being here. God, good to see all of you that are in the room. So we always, as always, we just want to be able to engage with each other, uh, connect in a real way. And so we are uh, lo- looking forward to some things that we're doing here in the future, but we also just love, if you're watching online, share this, uh, share this message content. Hopefully you're gathered around with some friends or some family uh, at home. Share this, this content. We believe that the Word of God transforms lives. We really do. We believe that it's God that does the work inside us that we couldn't do on our own. So, so share this message content. But good to see you. Uh, we're going to be looking um, at, as we continue to talk about the heartbeat, the heartbeat of, um, hopefully it's your heartbeat, hopefully it's the heartbeat of this ministry. It's what we really are striving for. Um, But we want to just have the heart of God. That's really what we want to have. That's what we're going for, the heart of God. We want what excites God, what thrills God. We want it to thrill us. What breaks God's heart, we want that to break our heart. And so that's what we're talking about um, in in this series uh, for a few weeks. And and so we, we looked at the glory of God. We looked at the grace of God. And so today, I want to just talk about what it looks like. What is the heart of God for you and for me? And that is to grow, grow in, in the ways of God, grow into becoming more like him. We talked about in week one that God, the view of God is as he's a father. And for the, for the prodigal story, uh, we always know as the prodigal story, but really it's a story about the heart of the father that he saw his son, his younger son, go from father give me to father make me. Father give me to father make me. And that's hopefully where we get to, where we get to a place where we stop, you know, treating God as if he's like a butler here to just serve us and to meet every single want and desire that we have. But we, we see him as a God who wants to mature us and to grow us and to become more like him. That's really the goal. I hope that's the goal for you in your life is to become more like more like Jesus every single day that when the what the world sees is not necessarily you but it sees a new creation in Christ Jesus and that you look like Jesus you look like Jesus to your friends you look like Jesus to your family you look like Jesus to your colleagues you look like Jesus to your boss you look like you just look like Jesus you you exude Jesus out of you that's the maturity that's the growing that God wants to do in and through you and me. And so that's the heart of God. Have you ever walked out of your house and uh, knew that you needed to uh, address something, but you forgot to address something, whether it was like had to do with on your something maybe on your face or you found in your teeth or whatever the case may be, and you went from one store to another and were realizing that once you got to a, in front of a mirror again that it was still there. Anybody ever had that problem? You at home watching anybody walk out of your house that you're like, I forgot about this thing in my teeth or this bat in my cave or whatever the case may be, and you just walked out. Uh, sometime in the in the in my past, there, I had a an experience where I. Um, walked out of my house and went uh, to run a few errands, went from one store to another and forgot that um, I had some nicks from shaving that morning. And uh, as, a, as a guy, you put these little tissues, 
you know, on, on your face to, to get to stop. But you, you, I needed to remember to take it off. Guys, remember, you remember, the, you know. And so I forgot that I had this tissue uh, still stuck on my face. And I went into a store and a lady says, sir, um, can, I, can I do something? And I said, well, it depends. And she just reaches out and pulls it off my face and throws it in the garbage can. I said, lady, you need to wash your hands. That's disgusting. And so, but I was so embarrassed, but I, I appreciated the fact that she didn't let me go to the next store with, with a piece of tissue uh, still stuck to my face. I don't know. Anybody ever have those, those times where you realize, oh my gosh, how long was that zipper open? You know, or how long was that? I, I just went there. You know, it's just us. So, you know, we all have these moments. Well, James talks about this, gives this illustration, gives this example of what's happened to maybe you before. But he says it this way in James 1. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like, and he describes what he's like. Anybody who's a hearer but not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. And then he says in verse 24, for once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And so James is saying, you know, it's like when you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I need to address that, or I need to fix that, or I need to make that before I go out in the public, before anybody sees me, I need to deal with this, right? Maybe it's you when you wake up in the morning, you're like, look at yourself in the mirror, like, I'm not going out in public looking like this. You know, I need to pull myself together. James is saying that's what it looks like for somebody who is a hearer of the word, but not a doer of it. It's like they hear, they see what they need to fix, but they do nothing to fix it. And they forget and they go about and they still have this thing that sticks out. They still have this thing that everybody's looking at going, oh, 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 you needed to, before you walked out of your house, you needed to deal with that, right? This is what James is describing as somebody who is not just a hearer of the word, but somebody is a, who is not a doer of the word. They, they hear it, but they don't do anything. They don't apply it to their life. And so this is the heart, this is the bottom line of this message today. And that is that we need to allow the word of God, not only to hear the word of God, but we need to apply the word of God. Why? What does that do? Well, that brings growth. That brings maturity in our life. That makes us more like Jesus. And that's the heart of God is for you and I to be more like him. That's what the world needs is more of Jesus and less of you and me, isn't it? That's what the world needs. And so in, in order for that to happen, we need to not just be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers of the word. Why? Because the word of God is food for the family. That's what the word of God is. The word of God is food for the family. And, and the word is what we feed from. The word is what, how we, we apply and we grow from it. Jesus said that, he says, man does not live on bread alone, right? Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's the word of God that is food for us as a family. And that's the way that the church is supposed to see ourselves, by the way. We're to see ourselves as family. We're to look at our, we're to know that, man, in Christ, we are all one. And that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we are. And how we grow and how we mature and how we're nourished as a family is that we feed them. I've got four kids, and that's a lot of mouths to feed. But they're growing, and the more that they grow, you know what they need? They need more food. You know, our grocery bills are, are out of this world. Like, it is just hard to feed. It's just, it, 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 why? Because 
because that's what happens when we grow. We need to feed. We need to feed. And that's what the word of God does for us. It's food for the family. And it helps us grow and to mature into who God wants us to be and the purposes that God has for all of us. So the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to this very immature church. If you ever hear somebody say, man, I want our church to be like the church of Corinth, you need to leave that church. You need to walk away from that church. This church in Corinth was a terrible, terrible church, and I'll give you an example of that in a second. But the Apostle Paul writes them this letter, his first letter to them. He actually wrote three. We have two in our, in our New Testament, but he actually probably wrote three letters to them. And he wrote them this first letter, and here's what he says to them, and, and we're going to pick it up in chapter 3. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, to infants in Christ. He says, I can't even like address you like I want to address you as a spiritual thing. Because here's the thing. It wasn't that they were, you know, all, you know, children. It wasn't like a church full of children and like a bunch of, a bunch of kids that were just babies, you know. They were grown, mature adults. They were, they were physically mature. They were, they were emotionally mature. They were even intellectually mature mature. These were not, you know, dummies. These were people that held, you know, jobs and, you know, established themselves in society and made a living and provided for their family. That's what they did. And so he's saying, listen, it's not a, the problem is not a, you know, physical maturity, intellectual maturity. It's not an emotional maturity. Here's the problem. There's a spiritual maturity. That's the problem. There's a spiritual, you can be physically mature, intellectually, emotionally, but here's a big problem. You're not, according to Paul and to this church, you're not spiritually mature. He says you're like babies in Christ. You're like infants in Christ. You know, when babies do baby things, it brings you joy, right? When you see babies do things, baby things, it brings you joy. When adults act like babies, that's a problem. And so Paul's saying, you guys are acting like infants. I'm trying to speak to you, give you some spiritual maturity things, but I can't because you're men of, women of flesh and you're babies in Christ. He goes in verse 2. He says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. For you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. Like, I, I was like, I wanted to, like, give you some solid food. And I can't even give you soft food. Like, you're not even still, like, you're not even at the applesauce stage. You're still, like, drinking milk. Like, you're, you're, you're like, you haven't even gotten to, like, the meat of, of anything spiritually. You're still just taking from the milk and we're supposed to start with milk but then we're to mature and we're to grow up so that we can then be a people of God that are taking on the solid food of God and that's the maturity that's the growing that God wants to do let me give you a couple examples of that okay so I say milk versus solid food okay a couple examples and this is sort of for me um, I talk to adults differently than I talk to kids when it comes to sharing the word of God. 
okay? You're like, man, you really like talk down on us like you are. Like, we are children. That's not what I'm intending to do. But I, when, when I talk to kids, I address kids so much differently. I'm a lot more animated. I have a lot more illustrations. I tell a lot more stories. And I just try to get them ex- ex- excited about the word of God and the things of God. And so when I address kids, I talk to them. I address them differently than how I address you. And so, for example, for children, when I talk about sin, and here's oftentimes what they'll give me back is, well, it's the bad things that we do, right? So when I, when I address kids, I say, yeah, you know how sin, you know how when you sometimes you do bad things, that's called sin, and they get that. They understand that. That's, en- that's enough for them to digest. And I say, yeah, so that's called sin. But when I talk to adults, and I talked to you about this last week. Sin, it's much worse than that. Sin makes us spiritually dead. Like, when I talk to kids, it's sin. Make, you know the bad things you do that makes you do bad things? That's sin. Uh, when I talk to adults, it makes us spiritually dead. Let me give you another example. Milk versus salad food. For children, I'll tell them, never judge Judging, never do it. Never, never judge. Don't, don't judge anyone under any circumstances. It's just not what you should do. And so they, and, and, and the kids, kids, children, you know, and my own children, like, yeah, okay, be kind, be compassionate, be caring. Don't judge anybody. You know, they may look different. They may act different. They may treat me differently, but I'm not going to judge them. That's a, that's a good rule to teach. But listen. Did you know that for adults, that's actually not the full picture of judging? That's actually not the full teaching of judging. As a matter of fact, as adults, judging is you should do it when a so-called brother or sister needs it. Did you know that the Apostle Paul and Jesus, more importantly, talked about that there is a time and a place for judging, for judging. As a matter of fact, in the same letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church in Corinth, he told them that they needed to judge somebody. He told them that. You need to judge this person. This person is in a relationship with his father's wife. You need to to judge him. Now, if you don't think the Bible is scandalous, you need to read it. He's telling them, you're laughing about this. You think this is hilarious that this kid is in a relationship with his father's wife, and you're laughing. You think that this is hilarious. You're giving the guy high fives like he's the man. This is what he's, I'm paraphrasing a little, but this is essentially what he's saying. And he's saying, you need to judge him. And then he writes and he says, I think you probably misunderstood me. Because you're, I told you to not hang out with immoral people. But he says, I didn't tell you not to hang out with immoral people that are outsiders. He called them outsiders. In other words, those are who don't know Christ, who haven't put their faith in Jesus. He called them, he says that those are the ones, he says, they didn't sign up for what we signed up for as Christians. He says, you should never judge them. You never judge somebody that isn't 
and doesn't claim to be a follower of Jesus. You should never judge them. If they didn't sign up for the fact that they're followers of Jesus, we have no business judging anyone. Paul even said this, if you stop, if you judge them, or if you stop hanging out with them, you're removing yourself out of influence with them. He says you're removing yourself out of the world. He says don't do that. But when it comes to so-called, he called them so-called brothers or sisters, and they're acting immoral, you should judge them. Not, you know, shame on you, how dare you, you're a mess, get your act together. That's not what he meant. What he meant is, is that oftentimes, most of the time, judging is the most loving thing you can do. It's kind of like that woman who saw that piece of tissue on my face and said, I'm not going to let you, sir, I don't know you from Adam, but I'm not going to let you, sir, go to another store with that on your face. I love you enough to take that off. Do you see? There's a maturity. And some of you maybe are going, really? Oh, this is uncomfortable. You know, he even said, he goes, man, if they don't, if they're not, heeding to what you're seeing and recognizing in them that there's something that's off, there's something that you recognize and there's evidence of that they've done something that is wrong and immoral and you haven't loved them enough to tell them? He said, that's a spiritual problem. He says, not only do they have a spiritual problem, but you have a spiritual problem because you don't love them enough to do something about it. And so for infants, for babes in Christ, for those who are taking milk, I would say just, just don't judge because judging just is a little bit more complicated and it's for the spiritually mature to understand. And maybe right now you're sitting here going, I'm still struggling with this. And there needs to be some spiritual maturity and understanding about it because According to Paul and according to Jesus, Jesus never said, don't judge. What did Jesus say? He says, before you judge, before you judge, before you address the issue, you need to remove the beam out of your own eye. Before you address the speck in their eye, you need to remove the beam out of your own eye. Why? So that you can see clearly how to address that brother or sister in love. He didn't say don't judge. He, just, he also gave a warning. When you judge, you're also going to be judged. So you need to know that going in. When you show love because you love somebody, you don't want them to continue in the sin that they're in, you need to know that they also might fire back something at you. And you need to be mature enough to say, okay, I guess I didn't see that in me either. That's some solid food. That's some solid food Christianity. And if maybe you're at a place where you're like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can confront somebody that way. There's probably needs, and you're not alone. There probably mean, need, means that there's some Spiritual growth that still needs to happen. What are some other symptoms of spiritual problem? Well, the Apostle Paul addresses some others. 
Look what he says in verse 3. For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not fleshy? Are you not walking like mere men? You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, there's some symptoms for spiritual problems. One of them is jealousy. And another is strife. There's some jealousy. You're jealous of somebody. You're jealous of a situation, a circumstance, a, something that somebody has. You're jealous of, of them. That's a spiritual problem. It's not an intellectual problem. It doesn't mean that you're not smart. It doesn't mean that there's a physical problem or an emotional problem. That, no, that None of that has anything to do with it. But there's probably a spiritual issue if you're, if you have, if you're having some jealousy. jealousy. Jealousy is an attitude. It's an attitude. Oh, how come they get that? Oh, how come they get to go there? How come they get to have that? I want that. I deserve that. I'm entitled to that. It's an attitude problem. And, and when we have that, and this is so important, because going back to James, the word of God is a mirror. And when we open up the word of God, it's a mirror for us to see ourselves in the mirror and go, whoa, I've got some attitude problems. Specifically with jealousy. And that's just an example that he's giving. You see it? But if you leave and you don't address that jealousy issue because you forgot about it, it's going to continue to rear its ugly head. It gives you another one, strife. Strife is an action that follows. It's an action that follows the attitude that we start with. So if you're constantly in conflict with people, if you're constantly stirring up, you know, issues and there's always drama around you, can I just give this, this free advice? In all of your issues and in all of your conflict and in all of your, you know, strife, you know, strife with, the, with, with somebody else, who's the common denominator Who's the common denominator in all of your times where you are in, in conflict with people? You are. Oh, I'm always in drama. I don't know, Pastor. I'm always in drama. I'm always caught up in this conflict and these division, and there's always issues. I'm always the one. It's there. It's them. It's them. It's her. It's him. I said, you James would say, I'm not going to even claim it for myself. James would say, it's time to look in the mirror. There might be an attitude of jealousy. That's just an example he gave. There might be conflict, strife, continual division in your life. Could be, certainly is, a symptom of a spiritual problem where we're not growing and maturing. Paul gives another, verse 4. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? He's saying, listen, you know what was happening? This church, we're like, half of them were with Paul, because Paul started the church. And then Paul turned it over to Apollos, who Apollos was this great man of God, this great leader, 
potentially wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't know who the writer of Hebrews was, but it was potentially Apollos who wrote the book of Hebrews. Just this great, great leader. And they were, some were going, I'm with Paul, and others were going, well, I'm with Apollos. Like, they were just like, I, no, I'm Paul's guy. And, and, and others were going, well, I'm Apollos' guy. He, here's a problem. Here's some of the symptoms of problems of, of, of spiritual maturity. That sometimes we, all of us, all of us do it because of the way that culture is today, the way that the world is so much smaller due to, you know, social media and, and you know, and the internet uh, you know, in, in technology, the world is just so much smaller. We can we can connect. So here's what here's what the here's what happens. We sometimes lock onto what I call pastor personality. Okay, pastor personality. We think that our spiritual maturity is contingent upon a particular pastor, and we live in a world, especially in COVID world. That you can attend and you can view any pastor you like. You can. And we've seen that on our end. We've seen it on, we've seen it, we've seen it. And listen, that's not, listen, that's not where your spiritual maturity comes. Now, are these great supplements? Yes. They're supplements. Just like when you need food you also might want supplements to help with your growth and maturity and in, in you know, nourishment of your body. These are all fine and dandy, but when, they, when we are rely on only supplements, it's not good. And so we lock into, when we think that our spiritual maturity is contingent upon some pastor that has this great personality, and we lock on them, and, we, and it's, all, it's all contingent upon that person. And Paul's going, we're just mere men. We're just mere men. Maybe a, 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 another extension of that is this, that we lock on to somebody like a Paul or an Apollos because of a position on a particular doctrine. This is a sign of spiritual immaturity. We lock on to somebody that, Writes something, speaks on something, blogs on something that we fit our particular doctrine, our position that we tend to lean to, or what we've experienced in our life, and we lock onto that, and that's the only thing that we care about. When it's just one part of the of, of the scriptures, it's one particular doctrine of the scriptures. Yet we have a responsibility to grow up into the full. The scripture says the full counsel of God, not just one particular doctrine, but all of it, all of it. And so we are like the church in Corinth when it comes to spiritual maturity. That we think. I need my fix of pastor personality and I need more of a position on a particular doctrine because that's what makes me feel more spiritual. But yet it's a spiritual immaturity. Paul's like, and here's what he says. Look what he says. What then is Apollos and what is Paul? He's like, what, is, what then is Apollos and what then is Paul? Look what he says. We're just servants. We're servants through whom you believe, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. He says, listen, we're not, we're not 
we're not anything important. We're not anything important. All we are is just servants for Jesus. That your goal, your ambition should not be to become more like Paul or more like Apollos. That your goal and your ambition should be to become more like Jesus. That your faith is not contingent upon, you know, some pastor that has a great personality and is very engaging. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No, I work hard to try to be engaging and to try to exhibit some sort of personality week in and week out. But my focus is simply at this. I'm just a servant of Jesus. I don't want you to become more like me. I want you to become more like Jesus. That's the, so when we think, I want to be more like this pastor or this blog writer or this person that wrote a book, no! They're just, and there's nothing wrong with them, these men and women, they're just servants. They're just servants of Jesus. And Paul's going, I don't want a team and Apollos doesn't want a team. We're all on team Jesus. And it's being more like Jesus and listening to Jesus and doing what Jesus said. That's what's going to bring you maturity. That's food for the family. That's what's going to nourish your spiritual life. Is it wrong to have these different supplements? No, you should. You should listen to podcasts. You should read blogs. You should listen to different pastors. And that, that, but they're just supplements. They're just supplements. And you certainly, those, you know, maybe, maybe I'm talking to those that are listening at home. Man, there's something about, it's easy to find different people in, around the world and you can think, think that that's church and you're engaging in church in that way. But that's just a small element of church. That the church is about gathering people, coming together, encouraging one another. It's, it's, it's about that connection within the body of Christ and then maturing and growing up in it according to Ephesians 2. It's about that. Who's Apollos? Who's Paul? They're just servants. They're just servants. They're ones that just say, hey, what, what can I do? How can I meet your need? How can I serve you? How can I be there for you? Man, don't you know when you go to a restaurant who's a good waiter and who's not a good waiter? By the way that they serve you? Man, my wife and I went out to eat the other night. We went to a restaurant. Man, we had a great waiter. She was just on it, man. Like, she didn't let my, my water go under half. You know, she was just on top of it. I even had the picture of water at my table with me, and she would walk by and make sure that it was always filled up. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. She was, she was just taking care. She was just serving. That's actually what the word servant here means. It means waiter. And we're called, when we mature, we're called to be this. We're called to be this. We're called to mature, a maturity to where we can get to a place where we just serve each other. We serve each other. Not in division, not out of jealousy, and certainly not teaming up with one pastor versus another. We're just called all of us 
are just called to to a maturity and a growth where we can say, just like Apollos would say, just like Paul would say, we're just servants waiting for the Lord to give us opportunity, waiting for the Lord to give me an opportunity to serve someone else. When you can get to that place in your life where your life is just about looking for opportunity to serve someone else, you are eating solid food. But if you're waiting for somebody else to meet your need and to bid your, do your bidding and to do stuff for you all the time, you're still on the milk. And adults that act like babies, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. We're to be farmers for the field. We're to be farmers for the field. That's a maturity thing. We're farmers for the field. Look what he says. Look what he says next. Verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. He said, I I planted, Apollos is watering, but you know who brings the growth? It's God. It had nothing to do with Apollos. It has nothing to do with Paul other than the fact that they had unique, you know, diverse, but yet they were unified as one. And they were just, they had their roles that they played. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who causes the growth. We know this. You plant and you need it watered, and how the growing happens is out of your control, right? You're like, I know I'm supposed to do this, and I know I'm supposed to water it with this, and if I don't water it, it's going to die. He says, verse 7, look what he says. He says, so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. They're just servants. They're nothing. They're just being used as God gives opportunity, but it's God who causes the growth. You know what we're like? We're like people who are just waiting for it to rain, the blessings of God on us. We're waiting for God to just bring in the rain of blessings and goodness and good feelings and comfort on our life. We're just, God, when are you going to rain? God, when is it going to rain? When I need something. I'm getting dry right now. I'm getting dry. This is a picture of my lawn and my neighbor's lawn. My lawn, and this was like after a couple days of rain, and my neighbor's lawn. And what I didn't have over these long 90 degree days is I didn't have, I did, but it didn't work very well. I didn't have a good sprinkler. But my neighbor did. My neighbor did. Every day, my neighbor, they were out just setting up their sprinkler. Those hot, dry days. And you know what I was doing? God, I need it to rain. 
God, I need it to rain. Rain. You know what oftentimes happens to us? We wait for God to rain, bring rain. And while we're waiting, we get spiritually dry. But yet, my neighbor decided, if it's not going to rain, I'm going to water it myself. If it's not going to rain, I'm going to water it myself. You know what happens to all of, a lot of us, all, most of us? We wait for God to bring rain, a blessing, goodness, comfort, so that doesn't make us feel dry anymore or look dry anymore. Or instead, the whole time, God's going, I gave you my word so that you can water it yourself. I gave you the word of God so that you can water your own spiritual life so that you look like this and not like this. If Here's the deal. If we just, if you just relied on a Sunday sermon, a Pastor Chris Sunday sermon to the next Sunday sermon, you know what you're going to be? This. But if you said, you know what, I'm not going to just wait for one Sunday to the next Sunday when I get the word of God, because that's what I need, that in that time, I'm going to, Open up the word of God for myself, and I'm going to water myself. I'm going to open up, and I'm going to let the water of the word bring me what I need in order for me to flourish and to grow something valuable and beautiful in my life. If all it was was just me from one week to another, that's what you're going to look like. But if you are able to open up the scripture for yourself... Open up the word for yourself. You're like, I don't know, God. I don't. It's not raining. I could use some rain. But you know what? You don't say that you're always going to bring the rain down, that you have given me the word to allow me to grow something beautiful. Do you see it? This is what God has called us to do. For you. And again, podcasts, blogs, books, all of those are fine. But you know what God wants to do in and through you? God wants you to be able to open up the scripture for yourself. And then the spirit of God will enlighten what the word of God wants to say to you personally. We have the scriptures so that you can glean from those scriptures. You can feed from those scriptures. And you can look at it as, as a mirror that we can see things that we need to address, that we need to, to, to prevent, that we need to walk away from, that we need to avoid. And we can use that as a mirror. But we also feed from the scriptures. It's the seed that we sow into the good soil of our heart so that it begins to produce fruit in us. But if that's just an Apollos or a Paul or a Pastor Chris or whatever your favorite pastor is, you'll probably still look like this when God has something for you. 
right here. Open up the scriptures, whether old school with actually like a book with paper and writing on it, or digital is fine too. There's so much help out there for you to understand the scriptures. There, I mean, I can't, I mean, I, I, I feel like I would be wasting time if I had to point you. It's so easy to find help in order for you to understand, understand the scripture. But, but even more than that, the spirit of God in you wants to enlighten you with something that is for you personally. God has a word to say to you, and it's meant for us to open and for God to show us what he has to say personally so that you can grow and you can mature so that you're not drinking milk, but you're eating solid food. And when we do that, when we do that, there's going to be a foundation in our life for the future. When we decide that we're going to allow the word of God to feed us, to nourish us, so that that brings growth, there's going to be a foundation for the future. Look what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said. There it is, foundation for the future. There we go. He says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it. So Paul's like, I laid a foundation, but there's more that people that are going to build on that. He says, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. He says in verse 11, he says, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so here's, here's what Jesus taught about the foundation. Here's what he taught. He said this, look at what he says in Luke 6, 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? That's a great question. Why do you call me Lord, and I give you my word, and you don't do it? It goes on. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words, and look what he says, and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. What is he like, Jesus? Well, here's what he says. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. So he's saying when the floods come, when the rains come, when things get hard, when you build your house on a good foundation, no matter what comes, no matter when the torrent burst, he says the house will stand. It will stand. Then he says, But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who builds a house on the ground without any foundation, without any foundation, and the torrent bursts against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer of the word. Don't just, oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. And then go about your day and go about your week and go about your month. Oh, I can't wait till next Sunday. Oh, I'm Because once I get back into the word from one Sunday to another, 
You're going to be that dry grass. And Jesus is saying, you know how you build a good foundation for the future? You know how you build a good foundation for your future? You hear my words and you act on them. You hear my words and you act on them. And I know, here's what you're wondering, because I have three minutes left. Here's what you're wondering. What is Jesus saying that he wants me to act on? That's a great question. Thanks for asking from home. Okay, here's what he said. Real quickly, I'm just going to read it through, and then you decide if you're just going to hear it, or you decide if you're going to act on it. And when you act on it, you're going to build a foundation for the future. Here's what he said. But I say to you, who here? Everybody can hear? Okay. You from home? Good. Love your enemies. Let me say that again. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Verse 2, or next verse. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Next verse. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Next verse. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Next verse. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Great question. For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons and daughters of the Most High, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil If you're wondering what Jesus says that we should hear and then act on, there you go. There you go. And if you want more specifics, Matthew gets more specific with that. So if you want to know more specifics about what you're to hear and then to act on, go ahead and read chapters 5 to 7 in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5 to 7. When you do that, Don't just be a hearer. Be a doer. Do it. And when you do it, you're going to lay a foundation for your future, for your kids' future, for your grandkids' future, for their kids' future, for their future, for their future. And I don't know how long I can go on with that. It's a foundation worth laying. Because it's founded on Jesus. All else, according to Matthew, all else is sinking sand. I'm going to pray. Juan's going to come up and give you a few announcements and dismiss you. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. God, we want to grow and mature and become more like your son, Jesus. God, we, are, we need to feed on 
as a family, we need to feed on the food of your word. God, we are farmers in the field. God, you've called us to, to water our own grass sometimes. Not just to always just wait for you to rain on us when we think we need it the most, but that you give us your word. You give us your word to water the good soil and the seed that was planted in our hearts so we can have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. We can have these things that only you produce in us that we couldn't produce on our own. And God, we wanna lay a foundation for the future because we're not just people that are just coming to hear, that we're people that are gonna do. We're gonna do it. We're gonna act on it. We're gonna walk this out. We're gonna live this out. We're gonna, we're gonna give and we're gonna lend and we're gonna love and we're gonna pray. That's what we're called to do. It's an action that we're called to do. I pray, Lord, that we walk out of here or we turn off our devices and God, we start to think about how we can actually do this and apply this in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.